Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee, joined by Luke White and Billy Derrick. Our podcast part of the 440 Sports Network. And our podcast is sponsored by Billy. The Anchor Not by Impact. Billy, but. <laughs> <laughs> Not by me, but I'll present to you. Uh, this this time of year, obviously, if there's any time to give uh, to Anchor Impact, now's the time. Commodore Nation, you can get closer to Vanderbilt Athletics than ever before with Anchor Impact, the official NIL collective for Vanderbilt University. Gain access to unmatched exclusive coverage and be part of a one-of-a-kind community. As an Anchor Impact member, you gain exclusive privileges and benefits, offering deeper engagement with student-athletes, coaches, staff, and the entire Vanderbilt community. Access behind-the-scenes content, staff, and the entire Vanderbilt um Camille, I just said that access behind the scenes content, exclusive events, unique merchandise and personalized experiences, creating an unparalleled connection with the student athletes journey. Join the mission of Anchor Impact to support the student athletes and elevate Vanderbilt Athletics to new heights. Become a member today and be part of this impactful journey. Help the Commodores thrive and contribute now by logging on to anchorimpact.com slash register. All right, our... Basketball season is brought to you by the Wash House. If you're dreading laundry day, if it's stealing times from the things you truly enjoy, let the laundry professionals at the Wash House take care of that for you with two convenient locations in the Nashville area. Just drop off your dirty laundry and their professional attendants will give you back the one thing you can never have enough of. That's your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh, clean laundry ready to be put away. Check them out at washhouseclean.com today. Get your time back. Steven Andrews runs that company. Good friend of mine for about 20 years. Terrific human being. Um, they do good work. So if you have laundry needs, please check them out. All right, now to my favorite topic, ice cream. Um, the guys that help you get your ice cream on the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Studio, they sponsor our baseball content. content. Uh, Family-owned, third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro, They've got partnerships with Purity Dairies, Mayfield, Nestle, haagen For more information, visit their website at MPMCI. And every time you get some Purity or Nestle or haagen ice cream and you're in those areas, thank the folks at Murfreesboro Pure Mill Company. They're the ones that made this happen. Uh, Chris, I think, I, think they've got, I think they've got a partnership with me, too. I got some moose tracks in my freezer. Yeah, let me tell you, they're all good. <laughs> I, I still say the home the homemade vanilla is underrated. I, I was not a vanilla guy earlier in life. I guess your taste buds changed. Good homemade vanilla, and you can do stuff to it, right? You can, right? You can put chocolate syrup in it or whatever, uh, and, and make it what you want. But that's um, that's one Luke, of my go tos. And there's what's your favorite? Hot apple pie, and then vanilla bean ice cream over top of it. Mm. Melts it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty wicked. Yeah. It's, it's it's a Swiss Army knife of ice cream. No doubt. <clears throat> All right, gentlemen, let, let's get right to it. <clears throat> the, the topic of the week, and I, I think time, time will tell. It, it, I've done this for almost 21 years now. I, I think one of the biggest stories in Vanderbilt sports history is right beneath the surface and starting to make its way to the surface. It's NIL. Um, I will, I will just cut to the chase here. I, I know that people that are in our war room and subscribe, I have been kind of hinting for a while uh, that, that I'm hearing some interesting things. I've, I've had to to bite my tongue on some of it uh, for, for various reasons, um, but I always try to give people the temperature of the room, right? If I say, it's or it's 102 degrees. Well, it, it might be 98. It might be 105. It's still hot. Um, my my guess is is we're doing this on Wednesday. Their football nil is either at or close to eight figures at this point. Um. <laughs> That's that's a phrase I never thought I would say. No, I, I think it needs to be more. I will go into the reasons why, but I know that the 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 story of the week, as told in the mainstream, has been oh my goodness, their roster's falling apart. Now, everybody's hitting the portal. All that is, is some of that good? No, it's not. Um, 
are any of the players that are losing irreplaceable? No, they're not. No, the, the one that, and I, Luke agrees with me on this. The, the one guy that they have lost that I think is is damaging is London Humphreys. I don't look at much of what has left. If if you said, all right, pick pick two or three guys that have left. Um, I think I would have liked to had Humphreys one. Nate Clifton's one I think I would have liked to have back for defensive line depth and and uh, probably pick a quarterback, either either Seals or Swan for depth. But, I mean, that, they'll get a quarterback in the portal. I think they've known that for a while. I think one reason the guys that left left was that they know that they've got to – they had issues blocking people, which, by the way, you can solve that in the portal too. And I will tell you in a minute where I would I would make my investments. But – yeah, I, I I don't look. They, they were two and ten last year. Was that all the false of the roster? No, but we've been saying for a while. You look at their roster and compare it to other people. It, it just didn't stack up, guys. I mean, they had some places they had a good receiver room. It didn't matter. They couldn't block anybody. They couldn't get them the ball. They couldn't get stops. Um, and and, and their kids. I hate treating them as fungible commodities but the world we're living in is a very very like 2009 or excuse me five years ago might as well have been 1884 in the world the way things are are done now uh luke i'll i'll pass the baton to you and and there'll be more later yeah we know chris uh last week i spent the whole weekend in chattanooga watching high school football saw a couple of our kids the quarterbacks at chattanooga baylor and mccauley and i've very excited about that. Um, you and I had a conversation or two, and it, at the time I had heard that our NIL was around the three million mark. And then you gave me the great news, uh, what you had heard and what you know. Uh, and I, it's like we've talked about, Chris, the most important thing to this season after about game eight was right now. Mm-hmm. And we are living in it. And we've got about another month or so to where we've got to find an OC. We've got to have a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, there's going to be some other moves I understand. Uh, I'm not privy to tell you what they are, but there will be. But Vanderbilt football is at its point to where it's at either at Waterloo or we're going to move forward and be in the ball game. I don't think there's any other choice here. We're either perennial 2-10 and 10 and changing coaches every five years or we're going to move this thing forward. And uh, this is the most critical time in Vanderbilt history since World War II. It's it's the bottom of the ninth in game seven of the World Series for, for Vanderbilt football right now. Uh, you know, I like how you, you mentioned that, Luke, right? At this point where they're at, which is crucial, you, you can't, you can't overstate how important, you know, that this month is really for, for this program. And, and, you know, we talk about players, but, You've also got to bring in the right coaches, right strength and conditioning, offensive coordinator, um, and, and you know we'll see if there are any other moves. But Chris, did you ever think? I certainly didn't think we'd be talking like this about this program. If you would have told me before this season that Vanderbilt's going to go two and ten, but fans are going to get excited about something after the season, you know, yeah. I, I just I did not think we, we'd be here right now, but. But we are, and, and I think you know it, it's 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 that that little bit of hope that that fans you know wanted, and and I think they were finally they were finally happy you, you put that out there, Chris. But you know, it, I think it'll get out there, and I think for, if you're Vanderbilt, you want it to get out there, right? I mean, not you know for recruits, for fans, for for everybody, right? And so, important time, and and boy, is there a lot to happen. I mean, I don't envy this staff yeah. right now. I don't envy envy any staff. Uh, you know, I mean, could you imagine Vanderbilt also preparing for a bowl game right now? You know, that, that that's the other part of this that, you know, and Luke, we've talked about this, too, uh, over the last several weeks. Maybe it was, a, you know, a, a good thing ultimately for the trajectory of this program that they did go two and ten, um, you know, and they, and they don't have to think about that bowl. I know a lot of programs, Chris, as you know, with people you've talked to that the bowl game's on the back burner right now. I mean, yeah, you know, you're you're not that that's that's on down the road, you know, the. the these next couple of weeks are, are for the portal and NIL. So uh, I, I think there's a lot going on, and we'll, we'll get into all of it. We've got a ton of mailbag questions, but my goodness, I I, I didn't think uh, we'd we'd be we'd be talking like this, Chris. 
Look, I, I, will, I will be on the record. I, I hate the way college football is run right now. I hate the way college sports are run right now. I, I'm not giving you endorsement of this is how I like it. But as, as somebody said, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. I, I think that realization and, – and I do think eventually this is going to get – It has to. Well, I mean, I say that um, – the NCA sometimes I think it couldn't spell cat if you spotted it the C and the A. Um, at least Charlie Baker outlined yesterday a format. Now I have some issues with it. Um, I think it's a starting point. It probably was a, a trial balloon to float out there and see how it is. Right. I, I think you, you need to have guardrails. These need to be more <clears throat> like contracts that are long-term commitments. This year-to-year stuff either make kids sit out a year in the portal. And I, I am for movement of players and stuff like that uh, based on what the coaches have done. Now the players are no longer these innocent guys who get paid nothing and can't do – they're leveraging their own teams. Kids going to the portal, they may even want to come back to their own school, but they're going to the portal. And I don't – I hate it, but I don't know that I blame them in a sense. Um, I, I give an example, Ray Davis. Ray Davis last year, I, I'm not sure Ray Davis is an NFL running back or not an NFL running act for long. Ray Davis was homeless for a while. Yeah. Um, are, are you going to judge a kid to get a little bit more money when it might be his own window? I I, I really don't. Um, <coughs> the, the, look, the, the, the system is a mess. We could podcast for four hours on that alone. But if you think it's going back to the way it was, it's not. Um, I, the NCAA did a great job for years of conditioning us that the system was great. The players didn't deserve any money. They get an education. Like what, what other system on earth in America works like that? None where the labor gets none of the money and it all goes elsewhere. That was stupid to begin with. And it was their own fault for setting up a system like that. When they removed the guardrails, predictably they had no plan that was cohesive, and now we have a mess for all the reasons we could outline. But that's where they are. And, guys, what I've been, what have I been saying for for a long I, – I think I said this almost the day the NL became a thing. This is their opportunity for a jailbreak from perpetual mediocrity because God knows they got the funds. They, I always point to the dorm that, that practically casts a shadow on the football field. That points to their ability to raise resources. I've said for a long time, you, you could solve this over lunch with the right people in the room and the right persuasive powers. And I think that is finally the thought that has sort of dawned on people. I'm, I'm sure it didn't happen quite like that. Maybe not anything like that. But the point is, there are resources at Vanderbilt. There are boosters with resources. I, now, I think some of them are sitting on the sidelines for this reason or that reason. I won't get into that today, but I think there's enough of them out there that aren't. Um, I think they could have not just an adequate NIL. I think they could have potentially one of the top ones in the country for football. And, and I'm, I'm going to hold that thought for a minute because I got you some other stuff that I'm, I'm going to read you in a minute that I think will really open people's eyes. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris, uh, because, you know, the other thing we I think fans have to think about, and, and of course, there's a lot of fans excited about, about what you put out and, and what we'll be getting out. But also, you got to be careful because, you know, the, these we talk about goalposts moving, right? Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt's we, we say they're up there now. But Luke and Chris, as you know, the Georgia's the every the, day. Changes I mean, every that's, day. that's improving every day. So this isn't a situation where, all right, we're good, right? We're good. Nope, you've got to every year, not just every year, but every day, you know, you've got to change. So as soon as fans, Luke, might think, all right, we're good, we're there, you know, d just just kind of tread lightly because the other programs are also improving every day. Yeah. Maybe well, even by the hour. Well, there, there's some things that Vanderbilt, a Vanderbilt, has to worry about that some other schools don't. In other words, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, if a kid wanted to go to Georgia over Vanderbilt or Alabama over Vanderbilt, you were going to lose him anyway. There's not yeah. a lot. You know, if a kid wanted to transfer, he had to wait. But he could still, if, if Alabama came calling and you're at Vanderbilt, you're going to Alabama. I mean, that's just, that hasn't changed. 
what what my worry is, and uh, I, I'm ex I'm excited. I'm I'm over the moon about this. But what my worry is is that something I mentioned last week. You got a kid that wants to come to Vander, wants to transfer to Vanderbilt, and we have to make him wait to see if he gets accepted. We can't. That's got to change as well because if we do, he's not. If he, he yeah. you know hand you know that type of thing he's going to go ahead and take the school that says you're in here's your money and Vanderbilt says well it'll be two weeks before we can let you know if you get in but we'll pay you when you get here kids aren't patient they're not going to wait around for that i worry about that scenario yeah they, they've, they've got to get that fixed but i'm sorry to cut you off billy i, I know we've got to get to the mailbag and i may have about another 30 minutes depending on um whether yeah, I got a text about the next thing I got to do or not. But I, I just want to get to this. Look, th they have always sold this, the city, the degree, the SEC. Let me let me just tell you something. None of that matters if you're horrible in football, which they've been horrible in football for the better part of 60 years now. Kid, kids do – if it, it's not any conversation starter if you are not decent in football. Now, for some kids it is, but, I mean, they're, they're kids that – the Andrew Lux, the Barrett Joneses of the world would have been perfect Vanderbilt kids. They weren't even in the picture at the end because at the end of the day, you can get those things other way or in other, uh, in other measures. And by the way, if it, if it's just academics, if kids just picking on academics, he's probably can go to Princeton or Yale ahead of Andy if he's that kind of kid. So they're in no man's land where the only thing they've got is this combination of the SEC and Nashville and whatever, but Kids don't care about that because nobody wants to come and get their brains beat in and, and play in front of 20,000 of somebody else's fans. So that that's where they've been, as people know. But I have talked to people that are real connected in this injury, industry, multiple people. Uh, they just think the deck is so stacked against them that they can win. And I've said, hey, what if, what if you had Georgia-like NIL? And I, I'm telling you, I, I, sometimes I wish you could hear the conversation. The, the tone of the conversation changes like that. Yeah. And I'm going to read you a text that somebody sent me because the, here's here's two things money does for you, okay? It gets you competitive with players now, and it also lets people know you're serious. Because coaches in the past, that's all they want <clears throat> about what they could do. Kids come to that stadium they watch their team get their teeth kicked in and they watch it get overrun by other people's fans. Now those things have got to change. So all the stuff that you tell kids about, we're changing it here, whatever. Would you believe that? I don't think I would. It's a hard message to sell. That's what coaching staffs have been up against for, for the better part of 60 years. You start paying money competitive with other people. That's going to speak for itself. People all of a sudden can say all they want about Vanderbilt not being serious at football. Money talks. So that's the two things that gets you. I'm going to tell you, so at the end of the day, and, and Luke, you're right, there's some other stuff that needs to be addressed. I think his offensive coordinator hire is going to be a crucial decision, and we can talk about that in a minute if you guys like. But let me just read you a text that I got yesterday. I was having this conversation with somebody really well-connected in the industry. And it says this, the, the, check, the, the gist of this was I asked, hey, can they win at a pretty big level if they get their NIL up there with the big boys? And this is the quote, if Vanderbilt got serious about NIL and admissions relaxation, they would be one of the elites. Not, not, just, not just competing, they would be one of the elites. That's what this text says. Best city in education and league, there's a massive market for that. So all of a sudden, the, the things that you have been advertising for years are all of a sudden in play. Now those are your tiebreakers if you get all the other stuff right. That's the opportunity ahead of them. Yeah. Well, you know, Billy referred to it a while ago. If we'd have gone six and six, Chris, would we still be sitting at three million as our NIL? No. No? You think it would have still? Well, let me, I'm sorry. I don't think the number would be what it is now. And unfortunately, at Vanderbilt, um, the house has to catch on fire and collapse into a sinkhole before it gets anybody's attention, <laughs> which, which I'm did. afraid is going to be an issue for basketball too, by the way. Yeah, uh, which it did. And, and, and yeah. you know, 
like I said, this may be the turning point. It is, in my opinion, the turning point of Vanderbilt football. Uh, you know, you, there's the numbers are so large in football. We have to have that NIL as good as at least half the teams in this league, if not more. Looks like looks like they're on their way. Uh, Chris, you want to you'll hop into the mailbag now? Yeah. Um, while you're okay. getting the mailbag ready, I will let you know who makes the mailbag possible. That is okay. Southern and Belk, the longest running sponsor of our show. Um, Taylor Southern and Russell Belk, friends of mine. Call them 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. These guys are attorneys with integrity. No, that's that, that's actually possible. Uh, good dudes uh, and, and good at what they do. And we love them. We appreciate what they do here. Uh, also presented by John Levin and the Maynard Nexus Government Contracts Group. Uh, Maynard Nexus advises government contractors on all aspects of their needs with a proud focus on matching legal and solutions to business needs. They got their own Chris Lee. If you got needs in that area, you don't need this Chris Lee. You need their Chris Lee. They they can help you there. But anyway, we appreciate their sponsorship of what we do. And with that, Billy, I'll turn the mailbag over to you. All right, let's kick it off with JC32VU. Might be a new username here. Uh, Chris, of course, you mentioned uh, Vanderbilt and Texas A&M, I think, on the board a couple of nights ago. And uh, he asks, Chris, could you go into more detail on why Vandy and Texas A&M have access to more wealthy donors than all other SEC schools? I know A&M is mostly oil money. Just curious if you can explain any further on the network of potential Vandy donors. Vanderbilt has access to so much money, it is ridiculous. You have you have generational money that goes to that school. You look, you have the the children of at least two major pro sports owners there right now. Um, as somebody told me a few years ago, they've got about thirty mega wealthy donors they can lean on. Now, how many of those guys are interested in sports? Probably not more than a couple of them, but they're mega wealthy. They have people at their disposal who can write checks like that for whatever. Now, look, uh, and it's, it's somebody told me, he said, I'm probably a million-dollar donor over the course of my, my time. He said, I'm not even on their radar. That's how much money they've got. Luke, I'm sure you can add some stuff here, too. Yeah, no, you're right. And like I said last week, I've got a, several friends that are, quote, millionaires that have given, uh, you know, they're not the top, they're not in the top three or four, but they have given a lot of money and, and, and a lot of time and effort to Vanderbilt for buildings, for projects, for uh, funding, for whatever it may be for athletics. And uh, they were they were at their wit's end with it. And they were like, you know, I could, yeah, sure, I could still give more money, but where's it going? So somehow there was a meeting. <laughs> I don't know where this meeting took place. Uh, some smoke-filled room with a little lamp hanging over the top and said, hey, guys, we're either in the game or we're out of the game. Put your cards on the table. Put your checks on the table. How much can you give? I'd love to know who those eight or ten or however many guys it is because – they, they're going to save Vanderbilt football and Vanderbilt athletics if this comes uh, forward the way we think it is. Well, we talked about it, uh, I think, a couple of days ago, Luke. It's one thing to 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 be a fan of, of Vanderbilt football, whether you played there or you coached there, you know, some, somebody like you that was there for, for as long as you were, right? But it's another thing to, if you do have the money, to give, right? And, and somebody or a group of somebodies <laughs> did that. And Chris, I mean, you, I like how you how you tabled the the board comments as, "Hey, listen, I loved all the tabling you did. It was so funny, you know, the way way you presented it." But you have to, and and for you, Chris, right? You, you've been doing this for so long. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna present this out there with with a lack of of background info and sources. I mean, that and so that in and of itself kind of carry shows the weight of it. Um, yeah, the fact that you know. People, people do care, but they've also seemed to care and put their money a little bit in, of where they want this program to go. Um, so I wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, and with, with a story like this, there's there's always more background than you can get into. Um, and sometimes right. that's crucial to you being able to know what you know. Um, so yeah, there, there's, there's some reasons I'm optimistic beyond 
what what I can get into now and, and maybe ever. But look, y- y'all know me for a long time. I and I always say I you know the, the, the news for years running has been horrible. And and I think people have taken that and associated with me as the guy that's always negative. No, I I tell you what's in front of me, good or bad or indifferent. And and now's no different. It's just finally you've got you got legit reason for good news that, that might actually hold up over time. And that's right, where you go. You're kind of playing with everybody else, you know, finally. You're right there with them. Uh, okay, Theodore 8. We talk about offensive coordinator. Now, who are the top three guys you'd be targeting for the OC position, and what odds would you put on the actual hire being one of those three guys? Guys, I'll, I'll start. I, I've struggled with this. Uh, number one, they've got, the, they, they've got the money, right? I think it'll be – I mean, I, I don't know if it'll be a Maybe. Power 5 guy. My, yeah, so – yeah, I've I've heard they've 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 got it, and the, and this is of course they mentioned it was a national search, um, so that was kind of funny. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I I've trying to fr- tried to look around, and I think there's some some younger guys that that have done well. Like North Texas had a really good offense this year. Is lo- looking at their offensive coordinator, a lot of those guys are young. Um, yeah, I think Mike Denbrock is a guy that that's at LSU right now. I doubt he would leave, but I think they had have targeted him uh, previously. Um, you know, they, LSU has a quarterbacks coach that I'm sure has learned under Denbrock. I just, Chris, for me, it's hard to to sit here and say, go get this guy, right, or or go get that guy. Um, I haven't had an answer for a while. <laughs> I don't know why. I just I can't. Usually, it's you know there there are a few two to three candidates out there. Um, but I just, it's hard for me right now. I know Buster Faulkner is a guy that's at Georgia Tech right now. I, again, he's a, he's a guy that I don't know uh, would leave Georgia Tech. I think he was considered for the MTSU head job. Great OC, but he's in a good situation at Georgia Tech. And maybe, here's an example. Maybe, you know, I know they're targeting uh, Indiana's quarterback, Brennan Sorsby, younger guy. His OC at Indiana is looking for a job now. Is that something they go after? I have no clue, but is it a situation where you get the quarterback and then you bring you kind of let the quarterback pick the OC or you you start with the OC, you let the OC pick the quarterback. There's a lot of I think things that go into it, but guys, quite frankly, I don't know right now. Well, Luke, I'm not at liberty to say, but I've seen the list. And now I, I'm sure that list changes maybe daily, I don't know. Because I know of the list, there's one of them that's already off that list. And when I say a list, there were seven names. I'm not at liberty to say who they are. Can't. Uh, if I do, I'm. <laughs> I never find out yeah. anything. But guys, uh, of those seven, I, I'm familiar with two of them. The other ones, I don't. I, I'll have to look up and see what they're doing. But there's a couple on there I'm very, very excited about. If they're the ones that we're able to get, if either one, either one of them came. Um, but something I want to point out too. With this offensive coordinator, you've got two freshmen coming in here, and I don't know how many people watched the McCauley and Baylor game. Those two quarterbacks are talented, talented kids. And I know you say, well, Luke, you can't win with freshmen in the SEC. I get that. But I promise you this, their their upside is through the moon, both of those, St. Hilaire and Muschamp. Two, differently, two different type of players, but those two kids coming in, I'm excited about them. But the coordinators, I'm holding my breath, and hopefully one of those two that I really liked uh, will get the job. Yeah, to, to Luke's point about the quarterbacks, that, that's another reason you better have in that because if they're any good, they're, they're going in the portal and, and maybe returning you, but probably not. Um, I, I have not seen the list that Luke's speaking of. Uh, that's his information. He gets to keep his confidences there. Uh, I'll just say this. I'll tell you what the list cannot look like. And I, I've been spending my time kind of pursuing this NIL storyline. But I'll tell you what it can't be. It can't be another mid-level MAC or Conference USA coordinator. And and it can't be a Power 5 guy who was, you know, the teams were getting 23 points a game for, you know, the last five years. It, it's got to be somebody that can, people are getting excited about and, and believe in. Um, and, and if it's not that, um, I, I think Clark Lee's chances of survival are, are not good. 
We're glad you guys had some better answers uh, than me. Uh, Theodore has the same question for quarterbacks. Who are the top two to three quarterbacks you'd be targeting from the portal, and what are the odds we actually end up getting uh, one of them? I'll start. I think Joey put this on the board. I, I mentioned Soresby uh, the other day. I have heard that from my own uh, uh, own, own source as well. Uh, again, we, we don't we don't know anything for sure yet, but Soresby is a younger guy from Indiana that played pretty well. Um, Marcel Reed from Texas A&M, I, th- I think, is is a potential uh, there. Uh, but other than that, it, it's hard because you know there's so many guys entering as well, right? There, I mean, there's guys entering every every day. <laughs> I mean, I think there was nearly two thousand guys that entered uh, on on Monday on the first day, <laughs> so it's also hard to keep track. But Chris Luke, I don't know if if you guys have heard anything anything else on the, on the uh, on the quarterback realm of things. The only one I would say that I don't want to call him a sleeper, but someone because his head coach left that I think Vanderbilt should look at is Henry Bealen at Duke. He played, he started a couple of games, you know, Henry's uh, father played at Vanderbilt, went to White's Creek here in town. Uh, Henry, very talented, big kid, can run and throw. Uh, And with Elko leaving and going to A&M right now, uh, I know they're, starting guy that was ahead of Henry has transferred. So Henry may wait till after spring if he decides to leave. And again, I don't have any knowledge of that. I haven't even talked to his dad about it, but uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on is Henry Bealen. Chris, I, that, that's just not been good? the place I've been spending my time. I've, I've kind of been trusting you and Joey to follow that. So, yeah, yeah. I, I would say it- what's that? <laughs> Come on, Joey. Let's go. <laughs> Joey doesn't have an Oreo to chase around. <laughs> I, I'll say this in terms of a style, mobile, right? Mobility. I'll, I'll say that. A guy that can create on his own uh, as well. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Here, we'll go with this one. Um, Colombiano Dorp. Any indication behind the scenes of how much this defensive abomination was Howells versus Lee's baby? Uh, did Lee take control of the defense, or pretty much respect Howell's autonomy. Uh, there, there's some, there's some int- yeah. yeah, I have a little info on that. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. If you'll go back, and it's easy, anybody can do it. Go look at Notre Dame's films with Clark when he was a D coordinator and watch what he does with the base defense that we were running. It, the blitz packages were totally different. The run fits are totally different. Everything's different when he's calling it. Now, where I fought Clark, and I've told him this to his face is when you see that happening and you're in year three, take it over then, uh, you know, I, I did, I, I won't tell you what our conversation went from, from that point forward, but at the same time, that's what Woody Woodenhofer did at Vanderbilt. And it was the best defense Vanderbilt had had history, probably at least modern day history. Now there was a lot more talented players. They were a lot further along. There were juniors and seniors and, and guys that played in the NFL on that defense, but still, if you know better, you know, and Chris and Billy, y'all would do this. If you're running your house and you, are you going to let your uncle Joe come in and tell you how to run your house? No, we're going to run it the way you want to run it. And that's the thing that now Clark, the reins are off. He can start doing everything he wants to do with that defense. He doesn't have to worry about, well, suggesting this or suggesting that. And uh, you'll see a totally different type of defense next year. Well, and you got to believe it helps getting getting some of those defensive players fairly quickly on on this uh, portal recruiting trail, too, to be able to say, "Look, you're you're going to be playing under my defense, right?" Uh, so I think I think that's another thing you got to think about as well. Uh, let's well, go Luke, to by, by, by different. I presume you mean they'll call the game a lot more aggressively. Yes, and, and yeah. there are other things too, not just aggressively, but where you bring your blitzes from. Yes, that the, the stuff that Woody was great at doing. Oh, he had he had his uh, Falcon key. Will Purdue's bothering me. I'm sorry. Hang on a second. Let me see what Will wants. Um, <laughs> he's wearing me out. Uh, Leave us alone, Will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Will, uh, or excuse me, Woody had a thing that he could stand on the sideline without a headset on, or he, if he had it on, it wouldn't turn on. He'd have it around his neck. And he could look at what their personnel was, and he'd give, boom, just like that. I mean, yeah. it was just a God-given thing. You have to – your mind has to run <clears> quick. 
And I'm not saying Coach Howell's mind is not running quick, but if you're not being able to react, especially with these up-tempo offenses, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. Yeah. And we saw that all year long. So I think you're just going to see a lot of different – and the preparation that we will have for it will be much better. If only Woody could have done that for offense. Oh, no Ooh. kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> I think that's the – the hope that that the office doesn't look like that. Um, yeah. Okay, strength coach, go doors ninety four. When do you expect a new strength coach? Um, my gut, guys, tells me fairly soon. I don't know about this week, but I mean, it's been what a, co- a couple of weeks now, maybe a week and a half since since the move has been made. So, um, I'll, although I'll say this, I don't think that is as as important, right? The strength coach not involved in in recruiting. So I don't think there's much of a I don't know. I could be wrong, Luke. Do you think there's much of an emphasis to get that done fairly quickly? Well, let me say this. Strength coach is probably as important as the OC because right now, after New Year, they start their winter conditioning program. Right now they're lifting on their own, and you got some guys come in on their own and do whatever, and you've got some leftover staff that are working with that and some GAs. But once January gets here, you hit the ground running. That new strength coach needs to be in place in January. At early January. Here's a good one from OG706. And kind of back to Howell a little bit here. And maybe this this is a, a good question for Dan Jackson as well. But since Howell was demoted, do you see him leaving before next season? Um, it's, it's interesting. This will happen a lot of times. I think we talked about this a couple of days ago too, Luke, where you, know, you, you kind of get through signing day and then maybe some things change. Um, Again, we don't know what what will happen, but you've seen that before where guys may may start to look around uh, if they do see that demotion uh, and it, if they find something you know, good for them. If not, they may stay. But I think that's a good question about Howell and Jackson, though, about, about kind of their future there. What's interesting to me is uh, Bronco Mendenhall just got a job, correct? Yep, New Mexico. Uh, Howell is who he recommended to Clark. So right. Howell – that, that would be my one thing. Could Howell go with Mendenhall to New Mexico? Interesting. Okay, let's see here. Here's a good one. Uh, Stonewall, what are the odds of Vanderbilt getting SEC-level talent even with bags of cash? How much does the academic requirement hurt the, the pitch for kids with legitimate NFL potential? My fear is there will be plenty of cash, but everybody else can buy teams that don't have to go to class at all. Yeah, that's a good you can, one. You can win if you do it right, if you're smart, yeah. if you're resourceful. If, if you throw enough money at the prop, no, look, the, the problem with Texas A&M, and that's one, they, too many cooks in the kitchen. There are places like that at Vanderbilt. I don't think that's as big of an issue, and I would, I would, I would question whether they have enough competent cooks in the kitchen when it comes to, to key athletics decisions. As you have seen play over time and time and time again, uh, with with hires for this and that, but yeah, there's 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 no reason they can't fix this. It, it's it's all within their control. Yeah, I mean, I think people point to Colorado too, but I mean, Colorado's roster a couple of years ago was awful. They're one in I ten. Mean, they were losing their games by an average of thirty points. So yeah, they were four and eight, but that were miles better than they were a year ago. And that was an improvement, four and eight. Yeah. I know people kind of rip Sanders and that staff, but. I mean, they did. They worked miracles getting getting those guys in there. So it can happen, right? Not saying this doesn't mean, I, Chris. I think you tried to put that out there too. This doesn't mean immediate six and six bowl game next year, right? Uh, it could. It very well could. could but but it it doesn't. You know that this is not a. All right, you know this 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 will change it immediately for the next season. Um, can I can I just put something out there? Um, there, there was a podcast. It's the Siski and McCready podcast. You've heard me mention it repeatedly on this show. Yeah. They are phenomenal at explaining how the world of this stuff works. Tyler has recruited at at Alabama, and he's been on the staffs under Nick Saban at Alabama and at Ole Miss under Hugh Freeze. And he knows he now works in that world where he helps with recruiting. They've got a service. He knows anybody and everybody. He knows how this world works. He knows what guys are getting paid. He knows the stuff that 
that's not being said that's that's believed. He knows I, – I can't think of a better guy to, to size all this stuff up. And I had him on my SEC show. He said what I would do – he said I, I would go out and I'd, I'd get a bunch of money. I'd sign a top-tier quarterback. I'd sign five great offensive linemen. And I think he said I'd sign an elite defensive line. And I, I just need to be average everywhere else and I can win. They said something in the show they did that was listened to before this. He basically said the market for defensive linemen, um, in my words, is, is based. Listen to what he says is way undervalued. I would find oper- I would. You, you've got to get a quarterback. You got to get a really good quarterback, and you got to get a line to keep him upright. And, and I know that's where they have trouble getting guys in as defensive line. But that is a place I would start to look to. They've already landed one defensive lineman from MTSU, Luke. I know you told me, uh, forget the stats last year, he played hurt, I think with a, a groin or hamstring or something, and you got that. That just wrecks your season. So th- th- those are just some places where I think you can remedy this quicker than people think if you do it right. Yeah. Well, Matt, Matt Rule said it. You, you talk about cost of, of a defensive lineman, a good quarterback. And the portal costs about one million. million to one one point five million, two million, right? I mean, you can, I guess you could say elite quarterback probably around two million. You know, just a good quarterback probably about one million. So just to get a good quarterback, you know, you, you got to shell out one million. So that's I think that's part of this, right? You, you've got to get that kind of build around that. I don't think you'll be paying anybody else one million. I could be wrong, but that that's I think that's kind of the way most teams are thinking, especially in that Vanderbilt mold, uh, which. You know, it's it's not easy. You could be paying a guy, offering a guy one one point five million, but like I said earlier, another school offered him. Maybe he's got a two million offer. You know, you you just you never know about that. Uh, okay, let's get to here. Here's a good one. Uh, golden parachute, and this may be a better topic explored with the anchor impact fund guys. But I thought I'd see uh, if three wise men knew the answers. <laughs> when someone says that player A is getting one hundred thousand for NIL. Is that for one year or is it spread over multiple years? What conditions exist on the agreement? Chris, wish we could throw in Tyler Siski right now to <laughs> answer that. But I mean, you may, you may have something there. I, I think it's usually one year. All these guys are playing on year to year contracts at the moment, which is insanity. Yeah. That, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it's, it's one year. And, and also there's got to be some stipulations to where you don't get that money. If you, violate team rules or university rules obviously so there's got to be you couldn't get the check all in one big uh, lump sum i wouldn't think well i think that connects to a bigger question of did will this money will the same money be there next year in this collective uh chris and you know it, or is it more like is that a i think that's a good question too that that is a good question, but and I think look, if you can succeed with this, things that can succeed tend to keep perpetuating. We saw it with James Franklin, but here's here's another thing that I would throw out at people. Um, I heard from a very good source that some of the kids at Vanderbilt had missed out on in recruiting in past years were going to other places. They got promised stuff that didn't materialize. Coming back and saying, "Hey, is this an option now?" I've been to such and such, and they didn't do what they said they were going to do. Not only if you can make this work with the numbers, if people know that what you get is ironclad at Vanderbilt, uh, that that if you say I'm going to pay you X and they get all of it, you know, with the exceptions that Luke said for stuff you do to <laughs> void the the contract or whatever, I think if you can earn a reputation not only as having resources, but delivering with what you say, I think that is a place where they have a chance to really really get a leg up on other people because there's a lot of bad and dishonest people in the business right now. Right. And, and a kid wouldn't know he, he'd go in and he'd say, I'm not getting my money. So I go to the athletic director and they're going to say, I've got nothing to do with that, son. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's what, and, and one of the other things about it, you talking to me is a year to year, let's say you pay a kid a hundred thousand to be a wide receiver. He comes in, he's not productive and it's okay. My second year here, I'm, I want to stay, but, Where's my hundred thousand? And you you have a chart that says, okay, I'm gonna however many snaps you played and how productive you were, depends on whether you get a hundred thousand next year or you may get only fifty or you may get three hundred. So you have to have that chart 
to where how big of a contributor was he to the team? Well, that that brings me, Luke, to the reallocation, right? I know I know we got a few minutes left here, but you know a lot of these guys leaving. Could you look back, maybe fast forward a year, you look back at this moment, you could say that's addition by subtraction, right? With reallocating some of those funds because C.J. Taylor and A.J. Swan were pretty high up there, uh, and and you know financially so all of a sudden you've got you've got more room there and all and you're also getting even more money uh, as we've talked about so i think the reallocation thing is something we can't can't forget about either uh let's see here we got one more we'll go with one more here chris uh ty simpson what what are what are the odds um from from godor's 1995 can you tell us anything about the possibility of ty simpson coming and also who is vanderbilt fighting off to get dante carter uh, signed. Uh, I on on Ty, not sure. I mean, don't get your I know that, up. Yeah, Dante Carter, not sure. Uh, I, I think I've heard he's he's not he he's he's not leaving. He he won't decommit. I've you know, I've I've heard that, but I'm sure I'm sure they've had to fight some school schools off. But I think he's pretty. He's even recruiting some other kids on on Twitter. So I think I think Dante Carter is is pretty dead set. Um. And then we've also got London Humphreys' question here. Henry Nichols, what are the odds of Lee and company getting London Humphreys back? Don't get your hopes up. Um, my thing with Ty Simpson, the worst scenario that in Vanderbilt situation, now I've heard some other things that I won't mention because they're in confidence. But because Alabama won, that's not good for Vanderbilt. If the season would have been – over, I mean, I say, you know, they'd gone to a New Year's Six Bowl, let's say. Then there's a bit, there could be movement of guys, I'm not playing. But now that they're in the race for another national title, Ty, I, I assume, is the backup quarterback. So he could be, you know, he's one play away from being in the game. So I, I don't think that helped the, the Vanderbilt situation at all. Well, in the third string, entering the lacrosse transfer portal, probably, <coughs> probably didn't I, help either. News to me. Say <laughs> so what? Look, Tyler Buckner, their third string. He entered. He he was a great lacrosse player in high school. Apparently, he's going oh. back to lacrosse. He just entered the lacrosse portal. How about that? <laughs> wow! I did get tricked the other day that Vanderbilt got picked up a tennis transfer, and and uh, I had a buddy nope. send me it, and <laughs> I had a buddy <laughs> I had a buddy send it to me. It said Vanderbilt got a transfer. You know, alert. And I said no way. Let me see who this is, and it said tennis. But you know, Vanderbilt picks up tennis transfer. <laughs> People forget there's portal for other por- other sports too. Yeah, that's all I got for the for the mailbag though, Chris. Um, I, I got time for maybe one or two more. Okay, I, I think so. People had thoughts on basketball. Was there a question or two? In oh, okay, there? yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a good question. I meant to get back to that. Uh, does Stackhouse get fired if if this team misses the NIT from uh, TC Stevenson? There's a difference between will he and should he. I mean, I think in year five, and you still haven't made a tournament. Uh, even I mean, and that that question is in IT, right? So that that kind of tells you how bad that that season would be if they missed the NIT. Uh, but Chris, they're they're hovering around 300 in the net right now. That's last I checked. That's not very good. Yeah, Luke. I know Luke. Where where do you stand? Because I know before the season, you thought he was going to get fired if he didn't get to the NCAs. I'm not what people tell me I'm not there at all, but what what are you hearing lately? If anything, I haven't heard anything lately, but I still stand by what I think. If he doesn't make the NCAA, I'm the same way with Clark in football. And you, you guys know how I feel about Clark, but five years is enough to, 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 for you to know whether or not something's going to be successful or not. I don't care what the circumstances are with injuries or whatever it may be. You can tell after five years at Vanderbilt whether something's going to be successful. So to me, it's still same thing. If if we don't go to the NCAA, he's done. Unless maybe he had, goes to the NIT and wins the NIT championship, maybe something like that might save it. But right now, guys, they're so disjointed in basketball. I mean, and, and for circumstances outside of basketball that uh, – it's hard for me to see. You know, last year, Chris, you and I went back and forth, and 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 I was actually right. right. We got better as the season went on, and we played great down the stretch. And 
And in my opinion, we deserve to be in the tournament. But I don't see this this year. I hate it, but I don't see that. I, I just feel like it's a totally different set of problems now. And uh, you can even hear it in his voice, I think, sometimes, yeah. that he may be a defeated man. Well, they're horrible defensively. Leon Robbins saved them so much stuff last year, and I think he took it for granted. Uh, and oh. didn't value it the way he should have. Uh, yeah. But – this is what I'm hearing. This is December 6th. And look, it could change because it could get ugly. And people say, well, I'm going to do this if it gets ugly. And then ugly hits them in the face and it feels differently. You're making a decision based on facts versus a decision based on emotion and what you're dealing with. Um, What I'm hearing right now, I think football is, is the everything, the focus of everything, which is probably playing to his favor right now. Yep. Um, cause I think the disaster that was football took over everything. And now the fix that is football is taking up a lot of the time and energy around the conversations. What I've been told, um, and I'll, I'll paraphrase here a little bit, but I, I think it would, it would take a Bryce Drew's last year type of disaster for there to even be a conversation about it. Wow. Yeah, um, that's, that, nice. that's, that's, that's what, that's what I'm told. I, I've heard that a couple places. Again, that that's that's where we are today. Could that change tomorrow? Yes, but I you hear <clears throat> how do I say this? It felt like with Derek Mason, they just decided he was their guy no matter what those last few years, and I'm I'm hearing some of that same stuff with him. And the AD just made a lot of it public. Um, you know, after the Alabama game, did the extension, and then and then again. Yeah, I think when Eric Osson asked her, I don't remember the words, but you know, a lot of language was used like we got the right guy for the program. So I think they're they're very dug into him. Uh, whether that changes or not between now and then the season, we'll see. Well, and the the crowds have been pretty ugly. I mean, there's no one's going to the games. I mean that that, that I don't it's, know. It's, that it's makes- sad to see what has happened to Vanderbilt basketball because that is that's not is. what any of us grew up seeing in that gym. It's not even that used. It's a ghost of you, itself. Yeah. You used to not have to worry about basketball at, at all, you know. Uh, but these last four or five years, they've done some damage. And I, I wonder how how good of a job. I know we're going off on a tangent here. I wonder how good of a job it still is compared to what it maybe used to be. Who well, knows? I, I think with the NIL money for basketball, I mean, we saw it with Tyron Lawrence. That's how we were able to keep him. Um but you don't have to have the numbers in basketball. You can have two guys change your entire program. Right. Yeah. I, I, basketball could be turned around in a year. Uh, football is a totally different animal. You got to have about 50 guys that can have you turn it around. <laughs> yeah, a little bit different. Yeah. But uh, that's what we got, Chris. All right. Um, I'm out for today. I think we're all out. I've, I've got another podcast to move on to. But anyway, uh, Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our listeners. Um, Thank you to Luke and Billy. This has been the Vandy Sports Podcast. We'll see you again soon with another edition.